Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Um, Well, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I have Steve Broderick. Am I saying your last name right? You have it right, yes. Um, And Steve and I are social media friends. I met you um, through Facebook and through a local community Facebook page where Steve was, um, he labels himself as a storyteller. And I see that a lot of people do that, but you are a true storyteller. And what hooked me in with you and what resonated and the attraction that I had towards wanting to talk to you um, is that you tell great inspirational stories, um, but they have this depth to them about human connection and about kindness and compassion. Um, And I'm going to give you a great example, and you don't know this story, um, but my church last spring during quarantine, when we were really locked down, um, they asked a couple of people, and me included, if we would tape ourselves a videotape, a one-minute recording of a story of where we're seeing God in the midst of everything that's happening. And I borrowed one of your stories, and you told a story about a woman in the neighborhood, and that's all I said, it was a woman in the neighborhood who um, couldn't get out and her neighbors maybe noticed and maybe they were getting groceries for her. Um, does this ring a bell for you? I'll keep talking and maybe- Keep maybe. going, because I, 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 there's two that could be, so I'll let you tell so me. Said that the, the neighbors um, you know, maybe started to get her groceries uh, and bring them to her. And then I think when they brought the groceries, they noticed that her lawn had not been cut. And so they would cut her lawn every week and they never said anything to her and they were cutting the grass. And every time they finished, she would swing open the front door and she would yell out, I love you. And they would yell back, I love you too. And I loved that story because the simplicity of it is that they didn't really know each other. And it was just neighbors helping neighbors and we talked a little bit before we went on air about that, about, you know, even, you know, I live outside of New York City after 9-11. There was this deep mm-hmm. passion and kindness during with neighbors. Nobody was fighting. Nobody cared about the political climate or anything else. They really just wanted mm-hmm. to take care of one another. And in that story, that's what I heard. I'm like, that's how we should live our lives. And so I thank you because I borrowed, <laughs> borrowed your story that day. Uh-huh. But the simplicity of it, but that's, I said, but that's where, that's where I see those moments of God, these teeny tiny little moments. Yes. Not yeah. necessarily some big grand gesture, which plenty mm-hmm. of people did, organized meals for hospital workers and things like that. But it, it was in that moment that you caught that little exchange of, I love you, I love you back between people it, that it, don't really know each it's other. It's a, a magic in the moment, mm. right? It's yeah. that uh, little ordinary uh it's extraordinary but it's ordinary as it should be it shouldn't be it's special but special should be ordinary yeah right yeah 
I feel like that's how we should live our days. And your stories uh, are often about encounters with um, strangers in the woods, out on a walk. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And then they end up being as much a gift to you as you were to them. You, it's almost like you're blessing each other um, in these in these stories that I've read. Um, I think I'm, I'm thinking of a story you're talking about about my neighbor uh, that I ran into uh, that I didn't know. I hadn't seen him in a while, and he has MS now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had just had a very ordinary encounter. Uh, I'm not a, I'm, as a person who writes, I, I spend a lot of time by myself that I enjoy. I enjoy it very much. Yeah. Um, but I do need to have that one-on-one -on -one with people. Uh, and it, it's, it's not really that they're a stranger. It's because when it's that one-on-one, -on -one, those very casual things, everybody seems more just to just relax they're really themselves mm -hmm. you're not you know you just encounter them and there, there's no guard up or anything like that and i like i like that and i i for myself try to go into it just being open i i really feel very much like the little boy that i was where i would just go up to people and hi how you doing and, and being friendly to them and generally speaking you got that back mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, if you know a little bit about me from things I've written, you know, I grew up in, I was in foster care at first, and then I was adopted. And I'm sure that experience taught me to be that way, to be, to go up and, and be open. And that's the way I received back. Mm. And I, I wondered, I thought about, you know, in preparing for our conversation, I thought, I wonder who his teachers were. Um, because often when, when I meet somebody like you that, that operates or, or tries to or wants to or has this intention to operate from this compassionate place um, to other human beings, and uh, they've always had wise teachers, and often I say, was it your mother? <laughs> you know, was it your father? And so at what age were you ad uh, adopted in foster care? Well, um, I was taken from the custody of my birth parents when I was six months old. Okay. And um, I, there were a number of factors. My mother, and in understanding it from today's frame of reference, my birth mother was had in postpartum depression. But back then, there was not an understanding of what that was. And so there was neglect involved in this. She was very young, you know, married at 16, and what you would expect. and. Um, so anyway, we were, I was removed to six months and I was in foster care for almost four years. I would say that is where I was taught. Mm -hmm. I can remember things about that. So very vividly. And I recognized that when I then went into an adopted family, which was not a very healthy situation, uh, it was that formation that got me through that so that I did not come out of that with no sense of myself. So nothing but has I lost feel, it's not like you were just in this 
um, some people would think, oh, well, he was waiting to be adopted, but you, you weren't, you were learning. Oh, no. No, I had no... Being formed. I love that word, formation. I mean, I, I, as I recall it and as I know it, um, that was my family, that was my mother. I, that, this is the person of whom I'm speaking. And one day she was, and the next day she wasn't. Mm. And so I took that feeling and just put it on the next, put it on that next person. And then probably spent 10 years realizing that that was not the same person. Mm. Um, and, and that taught me, I would say my teachers, it's, it's, it's funny that you're saying this because I would, the teachers I had in my immediate home were teaching me from a negative place, but I also had neighbors and I know in looking back and understanding that I, that I had love there. They understood. We were in a time where people didn't speak of these things, yes. but that didn't mean the energy wasn't present. Mm -hmm. Their loving energy was present. I, I was sharing a story with um, a friend of mine. Uh, actually, my neighbor who lived two doors up, a, a, a buddy of mine that I was friends with. And we were talking about the person who lived between us. His name was Charlie, Charlie, Charlie and Kay were a couple. And I used to talk to Kay over the back fence. You know, we were, she was my neighbor and she gave me some Althea's and I planted them in my yard. My mother said they're weeds. And I'm like, yeah, well, Kay gave them to me and I liked them. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so one afternoon I was out throwing a ball against the wall, you know, the, as boys will do, uh, practicing with the baseball. And he came and my adoptive father came out. He'd had a few drinks. And, you know, he said, you know, and he had a glove in his hand. He was like, well, throw the ball to me. You know, so I threw the ball to him. And, of course, he immediately took the ball and threw it in my face. <laughs> you know, so I had to duck. And uh, Charlie, and my next-door neighbor, was outside, you know, working on his shrubs. And, you know, he's watching this, and he puts his little shears down. And uh, then I get to pick the ball up, throw it back to my father. And he does it again, and I have to do it. And so he makes this comment that I can't catch. So Charlie picks up the ball and points to a spot for me and tells me where go over there so i run as he throws the ball and i catch the ball and he just turns to my father and he says it really depends on who's throwing the ball mm. oh my gosh i love that and it, it was just you know um, let's use that catching metaphor is that you caught that as a young kid that's mm -hmm. the fascinating part is that you were awake enough as a kid to catch that lesson, that teaching. And I would give whoever that woman was, I will give her that credit. I can remember her. I would just remember. That's the only way I can, I can describe it to you. I just remember things, <laughs> you know, when I was, when I got into my foster home, I used to go in the backyard and like talk to a magic tree. Mm. And I know where that came from. Uh, those things got pushed aside, but here I am 60 some years later, surrounded by trees. So if, yeah, you live in a house that you call the tree house or something. Yeah, it's my tree house. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? I'll get a little weepy here now. <laughs> but, so when yeah. you're saying she, you mean the person that cared for you in the foster? Yes. Yeah, from six months to four. And you don't know who, you don't know her name? 
uh, no. Yeah. And no, so, but I know it in here. Yes, that's that's that's. I know it. it in here. And so she was placed, I believe, you know, in my own spiritual formation and my own life journey, is that that nothing is lost, and every person that was placed on my path, good or bad, you know, were they were all teachable moments when I had the eyes and the heart open for yes, it. yes. And it sounds like also... that you were at such a young age such a young age and such a tender place to be, you know, taken from your mother at six months, which I'm sure you don't have a memory of, but then to be in this foster care. Um, and it sounds like somebody poured out an awful lot of love to you. Well, or so I might perceived it. Yeah. Part of me tells me, but I don't know. And maybe that's just the way that I am. Mm. Yeah. But I don't, it doesn't matter, really, you know. Um, but about what you're saying about being six months, I have a sister, an older sister, that's uh, also from the same parents. Okay. Um, we have very different early experiences. She was in a number of different foster homes. So she does not, we're not really in the same place at all. Um, about being six months old. This is a story, you, maybe you even read this on here because I recently just posted this, but because uh, I have two other siblings, half siblings that my birth mother had after we were taken from her custody, okay? And recently she posted a picture, my half sister posted a picture of our mother who has passed away this time last year. I've never seen this picture before. It was my I mother had- I did see this by the way. Oh, okay, so you know the story. Well, you tell it, please, but well, I'll tell you the story. Well, so <clears throat> the photograph is my mother at probably 23 or 24 years old. I've never seen this picture before. But anyway, when I was growing up and I was a, a kid, I was trying to fantasize about who my real mother was. And for some reason, some subconscious reason, I fixated on Marilyn Monroe. It was just sort of glamorous, you know, like, oh, this movie star mommy and, you know, for her career. She had, I mean, I didn't think about like, you know, the morality of, oh, she gave me up so she could have her career. I mean, to me, that seemed perfectly natural or normal. I mean, this was all made up in my mind anyway, because I knew it wasn't true. Mm. But it was just a little story I was telling myself for fun. Okay. And as I was later in my later years, my late teens and early 20s, when I was on my own, I had lots of pictures of her and my friends would joke and say, God, it's like you have a shrine to her. And, and they send me photographs and say, love mom and silly things like that. Okay. But when I met my birth mother, I knocked on the door, she opened the door and this platinum blonde woman with a full, you know, like Marilyn Monroe, yeah. is looking at me in the face. Wow. And if you saw the photograph I on Facebook. The photograph and it's, it's right. the, the similarity. Yes. So at six months old, and she, and she was not feeding me. I had malnutrition when, when they came and took me. So it wasn't like I was looking at her because she was never, yeah. I, I don't even, I mean, and I don't even like to say that because I feel that puts her in a bad light yeah. and I don't really see her that way. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to her. I wouldn't be who I am without, a little bit without about, her. Tell me a little bit about that. 
she's a very young mother in a time when there were not a lot of options for women. Mm. Uh, her mother, uh, her mother had a large family one and her, her father was alcoholic and left the family. And then her mother wanted to start with someone else and really wanted her other children to move out of the house. So that's what my mother basically did. She found a nice, what she thought was a nice guy. And they got married when she was 16 and he was 18. And um, then two children came from that. And today she would have things available to her to deal with what that created for her. Back then she got blamed for that and guilt and all of that. And when I met her, I could see that. I couldn't, and I'm happy as a human being, and I'm happy, and I mean on a superficial level, I'm happy with the genetic package I was given. Yeah. So I have to be grateful to her for that because she's responsible for that. So is my father. And, and as I got to know her, she used to read my cards. And I said, oh, well, that's where that came from. So I'm happy for that. I can't let the circumstances of this video game that we're in, you know, that our avatars are playing. I can't let those circumstances interfere with the essence of this. Yeah. And she, she just passed on last year and um, my sister never, never acknowledged her. And that, that to me was very painful because I knew it meant something to her to do that. And it felt to me, uh, it's going to fall. You know, to not forgive. You were given life and you understand. And uh, I got a little sidetracked on that one there. I'm sorry. You know what I'm catching? I'm catching a couple things that, um, listening to you and the first one is that uh, I interviewed somebody else who said that they, who lost their mother young and said that in my mom's dying, she gave me life because if that hadn't happened, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I'm hearing is that in your mom's giving you up, it gave you life. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. I would not be who I am had that not happened. Yeah. And that's what I'm and, and see, you were able to, you know, in contrast um, with others, you were able to receive that. And here's, here's the other thing that I was thinking when you were talking is that, you know, I said a lot of people put next to their name that they're a storyteller, but you're the real storyteller. And, <laughs> and you know, when it started, you started telling stories to yourself. The real storytelling started with Steve telling himself stories. Wow, I like that. (laughs) And now you're sharing that gift out with others. But that was the gift to yourself as a child. I that's what I'm hearing is that you know the magical tree and you know your mother looking like Marilyn Monroe and she did or being Marilyn Monroe and yes. So you were the great storyteller to yourself as a. uh, I think Uh, it's a feeling. I wonder if it's um, if it's also a product of you know you you do it as a way to explain something to yourself, of course, yeah, right. Um, but the magical aspect of it, I just think that's innate. 
um, it it's just there. And I mean, I for a period of my time, I put that aside as you know, well, that you know, like your it's it's like your toys of your childhood, and yet. <laughs> It was always kind of nagging at me in the back of my mind. It would come out in other ways. It would come out in, oh, let me investigate new age things. And you know what I'm, you know, yes. you understand. But it's at, and, the, it's at the heart of who you are, but we sometimes move away from it. But maybe, you know, I don't know how, what language you use for God, um, but maybe you were always being called back to that. You know, God was calling you back to that gift. Mm -hmm. um, uh, God is, is an okay word for me. Okay. I don't have any, I don't have an issue with the word. Um, I, I oftentimes will say the universe, you know, and, and sort of encompassing everything. So it's not quite so anthropomorphic, you know, it's not personality per se. Um, but no, I don't have any problem. I don't, I'm not an, an agnostic or atheist, no. <laughs> not given what I've experienced in my life. May I, may I may I quote you? You said, I don't pray to an external God. You said, I affirm from the divine within. I affirm that the energy which flows through me also flows through you. It is limitless and eternal and all-powerful, Steve Broderick. I don't know where I found yeah, you that. I you had it. been reading my stuff. I wow. <laughs> well, I had to prepare for today too, but I have been reading. Oh, okay. Just okay. When it pops up on my on my uh, Facebook feed, I'm always like, "Oh, look, Steve wrote something. Let me see what he has okay. to say today." Um, so I have, you know, I we talked about that. I've enjoyed your work, but I loved that because I have the same belief system. You know, we talked about mm -hmm. that a little bit before about um, you know this God within, and I think that that's what you were seeing in the neighbor that you ran into in the woods. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, that it also, excuse me, family can be who you're living with. Uh, it can be blood. And it is also everything around you. Mm -hmm. And so, I see, I mean, it takes a, a while in your life, of course, but I see the benefit of the shadows and of what it was. I see the benefit of what I experienced those first four years and how that light came with me through that darkness yep. and, and allowed me to recognize the light that was all around me as well. One of the things I did, and I just wrote on this recently is about projecting but that's one of the lessons I had to learn about and and partly I, I did it because it was necessary for me to do for instance what I felt for that person the woman who fostered care for me who in my novel I call Marilyn of course okay uh, but not Marilyn Monroe just Marilyn that's her name um, that because when I was shifted to a place that was less than loving, I took what I knew of love and I projected it onto that. Now that's a, a survival technique, I'm sure. It's also just sort of what I did, uh, being the, my nature, okay? And I've had to have a lot of experiences in my life to teach me that's not a good idea. 
it's it you know we have this christian martyr idea that's sometimes programmed into us that we have to see the good in everybody mm. which means that when something a little less than good comes along you tell yourself that that's not what that is and it, <laughs> that's not it, it i guess i would say it's like saying oh that rattlesnake is not a rattlesnake mm. because you don't want to pass judgment on it being a rattlesnake well you're not passing judgment on it when you call it a rattlesnake you're calling it what it is yeah. which means then you know what to do so then we do that with people this is it this is important you know to I, I love that analogy of the rattlesnake um and that yeah this is i hope our listeners can follow it because this piece of it the depth of that because it's such an important important noticing well and also the rattlesnake gives you warning yeah and if if you're saying oh i have to not see it as a rattlesnake then you're saying well everything about it I'm basically lying to myself about what it's telling me. You're, you're, you're projecting onto it. You're not accepting it as it really is. And I, I think where we are even right now in the world, without it being about division, although it can sort of look like that or sound that way, we do have to discern between what is and what isn't. Mm -hmm for us yeah and be okay with that without it getting into guilt about well i have to see this and i have to do that and i need to you know and i must see love in everybody it's like well you can feel love for everybody but if something is unloving it's wise to recognize that it's unloving well and like the rattlesnake to step back and move around right. step back from it let it be you don't have you don't have to kill it yeah and have and you known have you had experiences with um uh people in your past that have been like the rattlesnake well oh yes of course or how could i say this <laughs> uh yes i have i have i um and then this is where we would then speak about the rattlesnake i was married to but <laughs> i don't mean married not not, a, not female, my ex um and and even in that i almost feel guilty to say that okay yeah uh but it was you ignore warnings because you, you want something to be the way you want it to be. Wow, say that again. Okay. Say that again. Well, you ignore warnings because you want things to be the way you want them to be. Yeah. And, and that's projection. And then, you, then when it isn't that way, then you say, oh my God, I'm a victim. It's like, no. Well, yes, you are. You're the victim of what you've done. You've done this to yourself. And now, again, you don't beat yourself for that. But at some point, you stop doing it and recognize it. I, I want to see good. Um, and this goes back to when we were speaking about shining light in, down into the septic system. Yeah. you know. Um, but then if you're shining the light and you're looking down and you say, oh, look what's in the septic system, then admit what it is that you're seeing and go on. Yeah people or situations not saying i'm i do this all the time but that's the awareness that i'm getting from these different experiences yeah. that I've, I've had 
it's it's all it's so rich i'm just going to look at my uh my notes here um i here here's here's another uh there were so many things that aligned with me that that i read about you and i i love that you say that you greet the dawn every day as best i can yeah but in your tree house <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about what your morning practice is like my morning practice well not every morning but as best that i can um i do try to refrain from media especially first thing in the morning um although i would like to sleep later i my body just does not let me it, it'll let me take a nap later but it says you're going to be up and you're going to be up when the light comes on um i don't have a practice per se I just am aware that that's happening and I don't do anything. I just, I'm there with it. And see, that, that to me is a practice. That stillness. Oh, okay. That being awake to what I'm is. I'm practicing just being there. <laughs> right. Practicing just by being there. And yeah. not only that, but you set an intention of not letting social media in, of not letting any mm -hmm. the outside world creep into that sacredness. You know, they say that that's the most sacred time of the day is that, mm -hmm. that time between, you know, dusk and dawn. Um, and it's so so quiet, so incredible. Even the, you know, they sell the birds at dawn. Well, right before dawn, nah, -uh. mm -hmm. they're real. There's no, I'm in the middle of a forest and trust me, when that sun's coming up, it's, it is totally quiet. And then when you hear the first one, you know that the change has happened. You've tipped right. over because you hear that first shrill of that first, of that first. Mm -hmm. And then they all start up. And then they all, they're like, oh, Susie yelled all for right, right, fine. <laughs> We're awake now. Yes. I would like to share. We've spoken about my uh, birth mother. Yes. Whose name is Eve, by the way. Um, and my my father, I have a, a, a that that also helped me feel some magic. So when I met my birth father, I was 27 years old. And he's the one I met first before I met my mother. And I it had been a whole interesting search to find him, but it only took me two weeks, interestingly enough. It was meant, obviously meant to be for me to find him. Other people it takes years, but once I set my mind to it, I found it and I met him. Anyway, when I went in to meet him, we were talking and, and so forth. And I asked him what he did for a living, and he was a steeplejack. I said, oh, okay. And um, he talked about that, what he did, what buildings he had worked on and so forth. And he said, oh, I worked on this skyscraper, that skyscraper. And I used to do the towers, and, and I, I, I did the towers in, um, for WIBG which was a radio station in Philadelphia. Okay. It was also the radio station, my towers right behind the house where I was adopted. And one time when I was, would have been 1958, I was out in that field playing with my friends under an oak tree and we noticed men up on the towers. And I came out from under the shade of the tree and I looked up at the tower and I saw the man and I waved to the man and the man waved back to me. So I told this to my father when I met him, mm. that was him. Wow. Did you Because he was the only, he was the only one who did that job. But did you catch that you were under, under a tree that you just said that? 
you mentioned about three times that you were under this big oak tree. So there's that yes. metaphor again. And it was this sort of like this, uh, you know, I often wonder about that with the universe. You know, I've been married to my husband for 26 years and we're the same age, but he grew up in Northern New Jersey and I grew up outside of Philadelphia and, you know, we didn't, our paths didn't cross, but his, my, my married last name is the same as my mother's maiden name. Ah. Uh, so Robertson, there were, I married a Robertson and there were lots of Robertsons. And so anyway, you just wonder like, oh, did our paths ever cross? We had similar friends and, and you just wonder if, um, and so it's well, almost like you've got to peek at some big mystery of, and that you remembered that day. That's interesting to me. Well, well, yeah, uh, well, my, my classmates, if they ever need to remember something, they yeah, send me an email. Uh, I don't know why. That's just the way it is for me that I remember things like that. Uh, Was it but also it just stood out. In my, oh, but, but there's another piece. There's another piece. Pam. Because after that, and this is why this, this piece, part of the reason it sticks out. What do you think the chances are of this? I ran inside to tell my mother that the man in the cloud spoke to me. Yes, that's the way I said it. The man in the cloud spoke to me. And she said, oh, he's a steeplejack. I, and I, I kind of went back. That's what her father did. Wow. In the depression, he used to paint. And as a matter of fact, had fallen from a building, crushed his leg, and then had to have it amputated. Oh, wow. I've never even heard of that like term uh, or that that a steeple jack. And what? Yes, really, seriously. What are the odds, right? That's what I'm saying. Her father, the, wo the woman who adopts me, her father is a steeplejack, and the boy she adopts, his father is a steeplejack. Mm, sounds to me like yeah. some mystery in in, so, in all of this. So, although there's shadow in these experiences, yeah. look at this light. Look at this magic in it and putting it together that way. I, I, I have to believe in that person, in that woman, because I, I, it just doesn't seem to me, unless it's just the soul itself, mm. you know, because I, I'm, I do feel optimistic regardless. Of, of the circumstance. And again, that when you refer to that woman, you're going back to the person that cared for you. Yes. Um, when you were, I'd love to, for you, you, you know, because you're a storyteller and because, um, you know, you had this, this, you know, Marilyn, you know, that you had told the story about yourself. I'd love for you to see you someday. It's, this is just an invitation to write about that woman and maybe give her, give her a name. Um, and, and she has, in my, in my novel, she has the name Marilyn. Oh, so she's the Marilyn. I got yes. it. There we go. Mar Marilyn, I mean, my birth mother has that appearance. Now I didn't. I see. I, 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 mis I misunderstood that part. I thought that you were calling your mother Marilyn. Your mother looked like Marilyn. Right. And right. you didn't call her that, but. but what I was in, in my telling of my story, yeah. what I did is I endowed the person that I realized was my real mother, not necessarily the woman who gave birth to me, yeah. but the woman who gave love to me. The woman who gave Which love doesn't mean that my mother giving birth to me didn't give me love, because to give birth to me was to give me love. Yeah. I don't doubt that. 
I've looked her right in the face. I saw her cry when she had to tell me what happened. And I'm happy that I was old enough and understanding enough that when she cried, I could comfort her. Because that's what she needed. I was happy to know this about myself, to have this piece of information that I never thought I would ever have. I couldn't be angry with her, even though she's telling me I didn't feed you, you almost died. And I'm seeing her crying over this. How can I, as an adult man, how can I not comfort her? Yeah. Well, I, I, I admire you and I think that it's an inspiration and I think that when others hear this story, that maybe they can also come and live from a place of forgiveness. Um, and I, I think that that's one of the things that we're charged with as human beings, to be in community with all sorts of different people. Um, and some of them may hurt us, some of them may abandon us, some of them for, you know, for whatever reasons, and some of them may love us deeply. But to be able to forgive the ones that maybe weren't there for us because they 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 couldn't they just couldn't be mm-hmm. at the time um, to circle back with your birth mother and your and your birth father um, from such a place of openness and light and forgiveness I think is such a gift because you freed them from a bondage um, that they probably carried with them yeah uh, um, yes and sometimes when I would see that change still on them it, I would feel bad. Because I really, I wanted that to be, and, and, and now this touches into another area. I have this a sister, but she refused to have anything to do with them. And that hurt me. Yeah. That hurt me. Because that, that I knew it would hurt them. Yeah. But this, this is about you and them. And, you know, as much as we want to heal others, to heal with us. It's, you know, you have to just trust that that's, that's right. That has to be, but I did. Yeah. But I I, can see how that could be hurtful. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, again, you see, I sort of, I mean, I mean this in a humorous way or a sort of, not sort of in a very ironic way about my sister. Uh, She's a psychologist. And she specializes with women with postpartum depression. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course she does. Right? Yeah. I mean, if I was going to write a novel, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh. Wow. I mean, I. I He's giving. On the one hand, I could be infuriated, but on the other hand, I'm thinking this is like funny. That, it's that, funny. That's, that's very. I just, it's just that I know that my mother wanted that so much but maybe think of it this way is that you know your sister is helping people in a way that she couldn't help her own mother maybe perhaps i don't know i i think there's something about enabling denial there yeah i don't know you know but that's 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 for a higher power to determine so tell me you know you you know you've had this unbelievable life um how are you pouring out, you know, so you were a storyteller for yourself, or at least that's how I'm, I'm seeing it today. How are you in your storytellings? Um, 
how are you bringing that light out into the world? Like, what is your intention? What is your hope um, with with the with your writings, with your encouragement? That I hmm. Well, this story that we've been sharing, some of these pieces, not in this same form, but in what I've already written, the novel that I had published in '06. Um, that's that story yeah. that we've been speaking about. So there's that. And interestingly enough, uh, it was published in 06 and I was working in, you may, I don't know if you, I assume you were up here then. Um, do you remember in the barn, there used to be a cafe, Blossom Cafe? I do remember that, yeah. Okay, well I used to work there. And that's where I, when I, when my novel came out, that's where I was working and I had a, like a, a book signing party, et cetera, et cetera. And then a group of ladies from your community had a book club and they picked my book and we did that whole thing. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was that. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, the internet sort of came in and then that had this immediate thing that kind of took me away from that more structured, more a fuller, a fuller expression. But there is something that I'm working on. Uh, but it's it's not it's more about time and timelessness and uh, speak speaking of us in a more essential way. There's something else that that I wanted you particularly. Okay, this will help me. Uh, the coronavirus that we're dealing with in this isolation. Now I've been there's been this story that's been in my mind about timelessness and transcending time something that's always been in my mind i think probably since the first time i saw war the war uh, the time machine and it, it's so real to me and i had no way of thinking how can i tell this story because you know, how do i how do i have this 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 person coming from this time and being here with me and how do i explain this and then this virus came along where we all had to be isolated I'm like, there we go. So now I can be, it can just be these two characters that, and that this one person cannot be seen because we're all in quarantine. And, and so the story is like telling it's beginning to tell itself. I don't really want to say too much about what it's actually about. Okay. But, um, but more so telling how the story comes to be because it, I don't know that it, an audience, Pam, this is what it is. I don't, I don't direct it. I try to let the audience appear in some way like you did. And then I let it go because I don't want to direct it. I don't, I don't think that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to just trust it and let it come through and then it will go where it's supposed to go. I love that. So I think that there's the intention is that it's for you first. It's your creative outlet. And then you're sending it out into the universe and whoever needs it, you hope that it falls um, on their lap. Yes. And sort of that's how you and I met. You know, I, I saw some of your writing on, on this local you know, page that we started talking about in the beginning and, and your words resonated with me. You know, this, this, the, the simplicity of, um, you know, the everydayness of our lives and you were catching it. Um, and it, it, there's this presence, this reminder to be present, to not miss yes. 
So when you're in, you go back into your story where you saw your neighbor um, who has MS in the woods and you saw him, but you were awake and present enough that you just didn't brush on past. Mm-hmm. You would have missed out on that encounter that both, both of you needed that day in that moment. Um, and also, I think because I do take time by myself, a lot of time by myself, I realize the need for that. And I appreciate that being that I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert. I guess I, I've always been You're very contemplative. In- You're a contemplative. I guess so. Yeah. I, I, I interacting with people is very easy for me, but I don't do it constantly. I can't do it constantly. Well, here, here's what I say a lot. And you'll like this, I guess, (laughs) is that we grow best in two ways um, and in solitude and in community. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like you have a healthy balance of both that you contemplate. You have this intentional you're not calling it a routine. But to me, it sounds like, um, you know, you 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 fill up on by yourself with the universe and with your surrounding and your trees and trees. And then you go out into community happily and but then when you need to go back to the trees <laughs> that that's there yes. to hold you um it's a but when you say the trees it makes me chuckle because uh tree metaphor like this tree that's been with you your whole life and and just the tree is the tree of life you know and and often if you think of a tree you know you only see you know you see this strong sort of trunk but there are these deep roots that go down into the ground yes. And, and there are these leaves that go through all these different seasons of birth and death and, and, you know, and, and the cycle repeats itself. And um, so, yeah. I, I am doing a lot of tree stuff here, aren't I? From the magic tree to the oak tree where I see my father. Oh yeah. Good for you. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow when you're out on your, uh, your new shiny deck, I think that uh, you should contemplate on the tree and on the trees. Yes. Tree magic. Well, I feel well, the tree used the magic tree used to, when I was a boy. The magic tree used to talk to me, mm-hmm. of course, you know. And I understand. I mean, not in words, of course not, you know. Although it's not impossible, but uh, and it's funny when I first, you know, I was very urban, of course, you know, in my twenties, thirties, and into my forties. And then I was longing for this again to be out here in this. And I remember <laughs> saying, "Oh well, I'm going to go up to the mountains and I'm going to meet the nature spirits." And I had this vision in my mind of these like little creatures coming out of the woods and so forth, you know, and, which is also not untrue, I suppose, for someone else. Okay, yeah. but that's not the way it worked for me. Yeah. Not at all, you know. And uh, the, the trees, it's the magic is here. The nature spirits are here. They don't, they don't take on that form. That was just because I was coming from my urban consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know you're out here, so you know what I mean. You feel yeah. it. It's, I, and I'm not, and you know, Pam, I know I'm not the only person, you know, that John Lennon, I'm not the only one. Um, I know from some responses I got when I was on the community page, there are a lot of us here. And I don't, it's, uh, even when I use the word us, I kind of, because I don't want to be us and them about it. Yeah. You know, but there are, I meant, there are a lot of among us that feel the same way that feel the magic, that interact with the magic, that are part of it, yeah. and the earth magic, whatever you want to call it. I mean, and it's not, 
it's not disconnected from spirit by any means. Yeah. It is about the spirit in the earth. Let me close us with this. I asked you what your favorite phrase or quote or words were, and you said, wherever you go, there you are. Right. <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. And that goes back to that idea of, you know, presence and being awake to um, all that there is to life. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.